Hello and welcome to Chico Radio, episode number six. I am your host, Nicholas Downey, assistant editor-in-chief of LordsofGaming.net. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend. Hey, I'm uh, Ivan Seiler, a.k.a. Uh, Anchorman V2 from the Multiverse Show. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, but together we are Cheat Code Radio. You can't say as always, because I'm not going to be here next week. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say as always, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be a weird fluke of nature in this case, but uh, <laughs> I mean, technically, no. <laughs> Exceptions yeah. to rules, I before E, except after C, except in beige, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> except a bunch of other words yeah, exactly <laughs> all right so <sighs> i know we gotta get through a couple things first but i guess we'll do our uh, the poll results from last week Absolutely. so make sure i get the most up-to-date ones i don't know why i even bother because uh we normally close that down early this morning so uh in the question will you be buying skyrim again with zero percent of the vote <laughs> If Cicero dances for me, nobody picked that one. Damn, y'all. Uh, in in uh, second place, with 43% of the vote, no, we will not be buying Skyrim again. And with number one, uh, number one with 57% of the vote, yes, they will be buying Skyrim again. My people. Our audience is well, my people. <laughs> I mean, we got we got more information out of it, like since the last time, uh, since the last time we had the show. Um, the my understanding is the graphical updates are going to be included at no extra cost if you own the special edition already. Yeah. Or whatever, or the anniversary, or whatever they're calling it. Uh, if you already own it, the graphical updates are going to be free of charge. But it, basically, all they're really giving you is a bunch of Creation Club stuff. Uh, for those of you that aren't paying attention, the Creation Club is basically their monetized mod community. They're basically including a bunch of that stuff for free. Hmm. Or I should say for free, but it's it's a bundle of those things. I have to look and see what specifically they're including. Uh, like if it's a bunch of like texture mods and a bunch of stuff like that, I might think about it. Although, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing. We talk about like, hey, someone else did this work and we're gonna basically sell their mod again. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, there's some interesting um, conversations to be had around that. That's for sure. Yeah. So, but hey, I don't know anybody else but Bethesda could even do that. So, there we are. This is true. This is true. All right. So, uh, I guess we'll launch into uh, some of the questions for this week. We got about seven of them. Uh, so, this is uh, going to be pretty good. Uh, first off, uh, this comes from an individual called MooseMonk77. Dear Cheat Code Radio, it has been seven years since Sony announced Wild. As of as of August 20th, it has been officially canned. Can you shed some light on this? Do you know anything about its development? Um, Honestly, I don't know much about Wild. I don't know anybody who really knows much about it for the most part. I know that it got announced uh, around the same time was wasn't it around the same time as Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, like, was it wasn't even like the same conference. 2014. Like twenty I... Yeah. So was Horizon announced in twenty fourteen? No, I don't think. No. So. Okay. No. Let me look that up while I'm thinking about it. Cause I... 
Um, let's see. Was Horizon Zero Dawn announced? I think it was like twenty. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It came out. It says twenty twenty one. I was like, no. <laughs> the game in twenty seventeen right. that was revealed in twenty twenty fifteen press conference. Okay. Yep. Sony's E three twenty fifteen press conference. All right, I was about a year off. Yeah. Okay. So. There's a couple things about this. So just for your base knowledge, if you don't know what Wild was, Wild was a survival game that was being developed by an independent studio called Wild Sheep Studio, and it was being published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, it was revealed in 2014, and it was led by Mikkel Ansel. Um, if, for those who aren't familiar, he's the creator of the Rayman series. And interestingly enough, he was also the lead director on Beyond Good and Evil 2 but so basically what brought this around is wild's been gone for a while like the last time we heard anything about wild i think was just let me look they do, and then they do like a follow-up like a year or two later and that was it. paris games week in october 2015 was the last time oh um, wow like so they announced that e3 20 2015 and they did a paris games week follow-up and that's it yeah, so it began development in 2014. Uh, the gameplay trailer for the game was shown at Gamescom. It wasn't a, it wasn't E3. It was to showcase at Gamescom in August 2014, and then Paris Games Week in October 2015, and then there was absolutely nothing. And then uh, Ansel retired from developing video games in September of 2020, uh, leaving the Beyond mm. Good and Evil. Two, two project as well as you know obviously wild um yeah honestly i don't under it's kind of wild too because like beyond good and evil 2 is basically vaporware at this point too because like when was the last time it's like skull and bones that was the last time we saw beyond good and evil 2 and we all know what's going on with that so um i mean that that's an interesting thing so like could, would they just argue they're like, oh, we're not vaporware? Just Ant Miguel, sorry, Miguel. Um, Ansel basically just left them in the dust. Yeah. So, yeah, and like the thing that made a lot of people excited for Wild, um, one, it was a PlayStation Four exclusive. That was a big reason why people were paying attention to it. And two, the initial yep. plans for the game, it was supposed to be a large continent-sized open world with dynamic weather and you could play as a variety of wild creatures and you know that was the whole premise of the game which is it's a neat premise um i could you imagine a continent-sized open world game now after all the open world games we've gotten over the years Ooh. i mean technically speaking we could say that uh what was it what's that racing game i can't remember what it's called there was a racing game that came out that was basically all of the United States. So, I mean, you could technically that's a continent size, but we'll Fair. see. Yeah, but no, the, this has been dead for eons. I don't know why people tr like kept trying to bring this game back. Like, I remember when someone posted, someone leaked a, a rumor or was like, oh, the license has been renewed for a while. They're going to showcase it at... I can't remember if it was Paris Games Week or something. This was back in 
Hell, this was a long time ago. This is when me and Sam were still writing for Tick, I think. And yeah. I remember, I remember because it was this little Sony insider named Ryan who ran Jack of all controllers. He turned out to be an absolute, he turned out to be an absolute piece of garbage, just fabricated that wild was coming back and a bunch of big news sites ran with it. Like it was factual information and then ended up having egg on their face about it. I think one thing we definitely learned is that there's no such thing as a Sony insider. Yeah. Like, Routinely, it's been proven that, like, they don't know shit. Like, and, like, like Sony just knows how to keep their mouth shut. Like, they don't leak anything unless they want you to know it. Mm. Like, I think that, like, I would say, like, things like, what was it, even at Gamescom, where they actually announced the release date for, um, where the Horizon Forbidden West. Mm -hmm. Like, even though they announced it, like, they let people know in advance, like, hey, this is not coming out this year. Yeah. So it wouldn't be as big of a surprise. Yeah. Like, Sony doesn't want you to know unless they want you to know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you're not going to find out. Yeah, there, there's very few people that I would say are reliable on the PlayStation side of things. And I think that's because PlayStation changes up a lot of what they do at a very... They're very, what's the word, adaptive to their situation. So if something's not quite going right, they'll ditch it and do something completely else, which will then render whatever rumor or information you have, you know, useless. Xbox generally yeah. stays a specific course. So it's a lot, e it's a lot easier to predict Xbox than it is PlayStation. And Nintendo is the absolute hardest to predict because good Lord. You can't predict Nintendo. You, you <laughs> absolutely cannot. Like you can spitball. I could throw a dart at an open calendar and more likely be able to guess the time of a direct than 90% of people. Like yeah. they're impossible to predict, but to rope it right back around to wild it's dead. It's gone. It was a cool idea, but if you're kind of itching for a game like that, go play away. I think it's called away. It's coming to PlayStation five and PlayStation four. You have to play a little ring-tailed lemuring. You have to explore through the jungle and experience dynamic weather and everything else. It looks really cool. And that's about as close as you're going to get to wild. And at least away isn't vaporware. So. Yeah. No, I, I who was it? Um, let's just tell you some stuff. I can't remember what his name was when he told everybody, like what he used to be like famous or, well, I say famous roughly like, who was that guy who lied about going to a Naughty Dog secret showing for Uncharted? Oh, who's God. that guy? I can't remember. I, I he had like an actual name, but I can't remember what his actual name was. All I know is his name is like is a parrot on Twitter. Mm. I remember because um, what was it when you guys got me a, a PlayStation Four? So I started playing PlayStation. This is back in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, I started playing a bunch of PlayStation games and like. As soon as he found out that I had a PlayStation, he was nonstop in my DMs asking what I thought about Uncharted. And I'm like, I made videos about you, how you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and like how you're a liar and no one can trust you, which was proven right. And I'm like, how can you sip so hard for a company in a game and get called out by them and still continue. Fandom's weird I mean, like that. 
I will say this much, at least Crap Gamer had the balls to switch sides. At least that much. I mean, like, if, if okay, here, okay, this will tell you one thing. If the official Fallout account, if I said some crazy thing about Fallout, and the official Fallout account came out and said, hey, Ivan is a complete piece of shit. Don't talk to him. I probably wouldn't be a fan of Fallout anymore. I'd be very upset by that. Like, I wouldn't be afraid of anything in the future. Like, that would definitely put a hamper on things. But, like, to get called out as a liar by your favorite company, and then you still sip so hard for them, that's embarrassing. That's just embarrassing. Well, I, I, I think yeah. the thing is, is that there used to be a level of accountability for insiders. Well, I put in quotations insiders. Because, like, if you said something was going to happen in 2016, 2017, there was generally repercussions if you were wrong. Now people just spitball, yep. and if you're wrong, you can just say, well, things changed. Yep. There's very little repercussions for making up stuff. There yep. just, just there are. Well, well that, that's just, that's a media problem in general. That's gaming, mainstream media, the whole nine yards. It's just it's a problem. We have a problem with being okay with misinformation as long as it suits what we want to hear at that point in time. Yeah. That's it. <sighs> All right. So, uh, I guess move on to the next question. We had a little good little tangent there. Um, all right. So this one comes from our old friend, unlit Earl. Uh, thank you for watching. Halo Infinite isn't releasing with co-op or Forge. What have you got to say about that, Xbox cheaters? It's only L after L with Microsoft. Now, I will say this this question was submitted before the release date announcement at Gamescom. I will put that out there. I'm doing my due diligence to make sure he doesn't look like a total ass. So, what do you got to say, Nick? What do you got? I you had to pull up the water for us. <clears throat> I, I, I've yelled about this Halo thing all week. Um, I'm finding more frustration in the fandom itself rather than the actual announcements itself. But ultimately, I think what's really bizarre about Halo Infinite's rollout so far, because I'm going to talk about the rollout because there's no point in talking about how, you know, they delayed this and they delayed that when we have a release date now. So, you know, this game is coming no matter what, December 8th. But what's increasingly weird to me about the Halo Infinite problem, we talked about this a little bit on Gaming Perspective, is how they're doing such an amazing job showcasing the multiplayer and, you know, impressing you with what they're doing on the multiplayer sides of things when that's the free-to-play aspect. The people that are paying $60 to pay the, play this, or you know, if you're paying, playing it through Game Pass, whatever the case may be, they have done nothing to sell you on the content you actually have to pay for in this game. Mm -hmm. And that's just really weird to me. And like, I'd shut up if they'd show the campaign. Like, if they'd shown the campaign with a release date, I wouldn't even be talking about this right now. But... You are so unconfident 
in the campaign portion of this that you just show more multiplayer and then give the release date and then you have the inside halo article that just released today and guess what it's all about the multiplayer mm -hmm. we're beating a dead horse the multiplayer is going to be great that's awesome what about the part people actually have to pay for all right so here's my well thoughts on this do you remember last year when they showed off the campaign and it looked bad yes all right i remember that i remember craig and us that sort of thing do you remember what 343 did after that delayed the game they delayed the game but they brought somebody specifically joseph state yep they got joseph state and he played through the campaign you know what he said He said, it's great. So here's my thing. If the campaign's great, why did they delay it a year? Here's a better question. And, you know, credit to a lot of people have been saying it, but what were they going to release this game in last year? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question. It's a very good question. Now... My whole thing about it is really more just a, if the campaign's great, why did you have to delay it a year? So I think of it as this way. I think Joseph saw, and this is me, this is me purely speculating. I don't have any insider trading on this. backing for that. I, I, I just want to say that I, this is just me speculating. I think he played the game and he said, okay, I see what the vision is here and we're going to we're gonna tweak it a little bit to make it work. And the campaign itself wasn't the problem. It was a mishmash of what is the vision here? Um, as, a, as a point of evidence for everyone else, prior to the last campaign trailer where we saw like Halo, oh, is that a Halo? Uh, we saw Chief talking to new, new AI Cortana replacement. Prior to that, did you get any sense of, like, any emotional through line or anything like that? Nope. Nothing, right? Like, it, it's just like, all right, there's some guy out in space. All right. <laughs> or like, oh, they're, they're going to a Halo ring. Like, they, there's no emotion, no story that you can really tell. You're just kind of in a new space, and that's it. I think... Joseph went in there and really just kind of cleaned up the vision and that's it. Now, I will say in terms of the rest of it, like Forge, co-op, multiplayer, the rest of it, 343, I think, is a relic of Microsoft's past. It's their largest studio. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fairly certain 343 is their largest studio at this time. They have like several hundred people working in that studio. Um, I'll even, oh, no, one minute. I, I owe Cheat Code Radio a little more than just me speculating as to the size. I will look it up right now. Um, no, I don't want 3431, I want 343i. 
Okay. I had some figures on them before. It's like roughly 600, 700 people or something. It's a big studio. Yeah, I, I want to say it was between like 700 and 900 or something like that. There's a, there's a lot of people. And Microsoft normally does well when they divide projects up. Um, you can really see that last generation where the hardware team was slacking, but then Mikey Barra and the software team were really dominating. They pushed out a lot of great quality of life improvements mm -hmm. and it was not reliant on what the hardware situation was. Mm -hmm. They worked on their projects and that's what they did. So for Halo, they kind of did the same thing. They have a multiplayer team doing their own thing. They have a campaign team doing their own thing. And here we are. The multiplayer team is clearly farther along. They're ready. They've probably been ready since last year. Like, they were just ready to roll and like, just launch this thing. Mm -hmm. And campaign is lagging behind. And I think all the problems have to do with upper management. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is pretty much what it is. I think it's a upper management doesn't know what they want the campaign to be. They don't know. There's no mission statement for them. There's no vision. And they're just kind of coasting and saying, all right, well, here's another entry in the series. Everyone get off our back. <laughs> let's, let's do our thing. And that's it. And I think Joseph went in there and streamlined it and said, all right, now you have a vision. And I think now they're just stuck on co-op because it's the last thing they worked on. Mm -hmm. And I think they're stuck in terms of the mission structure. I saw like a Reddit thread about that. Did you see that at all? Yeah, I there's saw a guy it. speculating. I, I, I saw, there was a lot of speculation in that, but there was some stuff that made sense, uh, made a lot of sense in terms yeah, of Yeah, like why, I think specific. Yeah, go ahead. In terms of like why they needed to delay the co-op with like the checkpointing and everything else. Yeah. Because I like normally like in, in Halo co-op, if you die, you have to wait till whoever is alive is in a space where they are safe so you can spawn again. But in an open world system, how do you do that? I don't know. How does Borderlands like, do it? I don't play Borderlands. Neither do I, but it, <laughs> or, it, it, it's a decade old game that had an open world that you could explore with your friends. Like, I, yeah. it, 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 my frustration with Halo Infinite is like, it constantly sounds like they're trying to reinvent the wheel when simply they're not. They're doing a ton of things other games do really, really well. And I understand it's outside their normal wheelhouse, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like... It's been six years since Halo 5 Guardians. You've done a new engine and all this stuff. It just... Not having specific content at launch feels weird. I didn't wait six years to be missing content that was part of previous games. And mm -hmm. I know people are like, oh, it's fake outrage and da 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 da. And who plays the games in co op and blah 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 blah. And I'm literally sitting there going, if you ask 90% of Xbox fans before this became an issue, 90% of them would look back on some of their favorite memories with Xbox and they'll say playing Halo with their friends. But now that co-op's an issue, 90% of them are like, oh, I play Halo by myself. Bullshit. And it just, oh, it yeah. annoys the hell out of me that people are sitting there going, 
Who needs co-op at launch when if I click on their YouTube channel, they've got live streams of them co-oping other Halo campaigns with their friends. Like, you can't say that feature doesn't matter when you use it. Mm-hmm. And... Now, Forge, I will say Forge, not being there at launch, eh, like... Yeah. There's enough content there anyway, and, like, Forge is a necessity in terms of the longevity of that game, mm -hmm. but at launch, nah. It'd be like... I, if, that's fine. For example, it'd be like if Battlefield said, hey, a couple months after launch, we're gonna launch the Battlefield portal. We're focused on a comprehensive multiplayer experience right now but we need more time to make sure battlefield portal works exactly how we want it to i mm. feel like most people will be pretty understanding about that because the core loop is not affected yeah but but they if they said like all right well uh no team death match no domination like yeah. none of that and it's like yeah it's not like the core conquest experience so It'd be but like, it still should be there. <laughs> it, it, it would be like if Battlefield launched without Rush. Conquest yeah. is everyone's main game mode. Rush is a very beloved mode within Battlefield. It's like co-op yeah. with Halo. It's a beloved mode. It's not the main mode, but it is a way that predominantly a lot of people like to absorb their content. And I don't get where people find confidence in this for the campaign at all. Like, I do not understand where anyone feels confident in it at all. Like, to me, I lost confidence in it after they revealed it. And it looked the way it did. And then they had to bring Joseph Staten in. Like, this man is probably only second to Rod Ferguson in terms of bringing them in to fix games. Yeah. Because Joseph Staten came in at the tail end of Crackdown 3 to get that game out the door. So I just, I don't have faith in them right now in terms of the single player. The multiplayer looks great and I'm playing it through Game Pass. But as someone who loves Halo, I just can't sit there and be like, yeah, no, this is fine. Don't show me the campaign to launch. I'm playing it through Game Pass. Why should it matter? No, it does matter. Yeah, no, I, I totally believe you. Like it's. You're not going to bring somebody like Joseph Staten in unless there's a problem. But I think it is going to be the management ultimately. Like, I can tell you now, Bonnie Ross's days are numbered. Like, after launch, watch within six months, she's gone. I was surprised she... Uh, I, I, was, I could see that. I, I was surprised they kept her around after they cut... Uh, uh, what was the general's name? Uh... Lee, Chris Lee, is that who I'm thinking of? You said the, you said the general. No, the the. Uh. I'm trying because <laughs> my brain my brain went like Dukes of Hazard, General Lee. Like no, what? Jeez, no. <laughs> we have a problem with Halo. General Lee's in it, and we don't know how to get him out. <laughs> um. Yeah, Chris Lee. He was the Halo Infinite director. Uh, and he stepped down when it got delayed to 2021. Yeah. He was the partner studio head of uh, 343. Mm. And didn't have much to say when he left. Yeah. 
it's management. It, like I said, it's a management problem. And so like I, I would not be surprised if they go in there and clean house because at this point in the game, everybody who actually wants to work on Halo is at three four three. Yeah. Like they they want to work on it, but the management I think is there, either don't care anymore or just never are in a position where they just don't have any vision for the franchise and they just want the status quo to be maintained. And that is just not a possibility right now. Like the status quo for Halo is not sustainable. Well, and that's too many other games have come in there and taken their market share away. That's the thing is like Halo was cutting edge for its time. And you look at the FPS games that have come out since, you know, Guardians released in 2015. That was a pre-Doom 2016 and pre-Doom Eternal era like there's studios in xbox game studios now that make better fps games than 343 does yep like what do you do yeah i think now they're in a weird position because now they got like us was splitgate splitgate is lot is already um Splitgate's technically in beta, but you can play it. I don't know, it's kind of like that weird spot that, like Fortnite was, where it was in beta for like two years. Yeah. But it was basically fine. It was basically a full release title mm -hmm. at that point. Um, it's a similar situation with them. But like now, that's literally copying the Halo formula and even looks like Halo to an insane degree. But it's fun as hell. And I'm like, I don't know where Halo fits into that. Yeah. Like you, you literally have guys just stay, straight copying you at this point. <laughs> what do you do? When and it, they can release before you. Yeah. Like, what do you do when an indie developer does your genre better than you? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what you do at that point. Nope. But yeah. All right. Um, let me see here. Another question here. All right, this one comes from Whiskey Fandango. What's your favorite soda? Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. All right. It's a multitude um, of flavors in my mouth. I can't, I can't beat it. <laughs> um, what was I was just talking about this with uh, Jared earlier today. Um, I really like cranberry flavoring in soda. Mm hmm. Like when they play like a cranberry ginger ale, yep. I love that. That's so good. Um, what was it? a couple years ago? Mountain Dew did one. It was called Mountain Dew Merry Mashup, and like that was so good. I couldn't believe cranberry went so well. Uh, it was it was like cranberry pomegranate with Mountain Dew. It was such a weird mix, but it was so good. Hmm. Um, what else is there? But yeah. Um, I don't really have any like loyalty in terms of that. Most of I drink tea. Um, but yeah. Bloody British. Well, no, sweet tea, sir. We don't do that stuff. <laughs> we do sweet tea here. All right. Um, next one. Oh, here's one that's interesting. Uh, both this comes from Lucio Main. Both you and Nick were big Overwatch fans back in the day. What do you guys think of Overwatch 2 so far? And what would it take you guys to get back? Well, 
without the obvious Bill Cosby sized elephant in the room, um, in terms of Blizzard and Activision as a whole, um, obviously that's a discussion in itself, but we'll focus solely on Overwatch and Overwatch 2 as games. Um, for me personally, and I don't know how Ivan feels about it, the reason I stopped playing Overwatch is because in comparison to a lot of multiplayer games, the content just wasn't there. There was massive gaps between new characters, new maps. There wasn't really any... Like, the events were cool, but after they came up with a handful of events, they just ran the same events every year. You'd be like, oh, look, Lucio Ball's back. Oh, look, this is back. Oh, look, it's the Halloween, Halloween event. event. Like... I understand if you have a formula that works, work with it, but put a little bit more effort into it. Like, getting excited for the skins was all there was eventually. And I yeah. never spent a penny on Overwatch skins, and I feel so proud of that in comparison to the thousands of dollars I spent on Smite skins. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, it was just the repetition of it all for me. Like, it was just the same stuff over and over and over and over. It's like a handful of maps with the same characters, with the same 14-year-old kids screaming, playing Reaper. <laughs> uh, let's see. For me, I got into Overwatch when it came out in 2016. Um, I was at a point where I didn't really have much to do in terms of shooters. Um... Because the point of the launch was like right before the summer started, I want to say. I just didn't have anything else to do over the summer, and it just it worked out really well. Right. Um. I myself have also never spent any money on skins. Um, I also wear that as a badge of pride. Um, I did buy the game at one point, but like way later, like two years later, <laughs> like in 2018, 2019, I bought it. Because that had to be 2019. Because I was like, oh yeah. They're doing Overwatch 2, and this is they're promising that, like, if you own the game, you could still play all the new stuff. So I might as well own the game and, like, pay, like, a $10 or $15 upgrade fee and just go Overwatch 2 at that point. Like, that, that was my mentality, at least. And I was like, all right, fair enough, I'll buy that then. Mm. But for me, I just got really bored with it. And For you, I guess it's the content rollout, and that definitely had a part to play. Because, like, like, Rainbow Six, they drop, like, five to six operators a year. Yeah. And like Overwatch drops like two or three. Like it's it's not not a lot. They don't drop a lot of characters. No. And like right now, like I think they don't even have dropped anybody new. I don't recall anybody, but No, they put a freeze on until Overwatch 2. Yeah. And they keep delaying Overwatch 2, so <laughs> Yeah, the game that was supposed to come out in 2019. <laughs> yeah. Or are they, I don't know if they said 2019. I know, they, I know they said 2020 initially. I know that much, but I don't know. I don't know if it was 2019 when they said that originally. But it, and like this is coming from someone who actually watched Overwatch League as well. Like I watched that, and a lot of it just got really stale, and I got really tired with anytime there was controversy whatsoever. Blizzard would basically sweep it under the rug with something completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. And I remember that, like, I think the first time I really noticed it was, what was the event? It was something, I don't want to say it was like, um, I don't want to say it was the, the, 
the Shanghai thing. But I, I know there was another time, like, something came out and it was like, oh, yeah, like, Overwatch or Blizzard, something, something bad in the news has come out. By the way, Soldier's gay now. And it's like, that has nothing to do with this, and you're using this as a way to obfuscate from the criticism. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. And like, it, it's not just like, not even just like once, like, they did this a lot. Yeah. Um, and they always did the same thing too. It was always like, oh yeah, something else happened. Oh yeah, Tracer's gay too. And it's like, okay, why didn't you announce that a while ago? But, but uh, the other thing too that really annoyed the shit out of me, and I know you'll agree with this too, story content. People wanted story content for the longest time, and Overwatch basically refused to give any <laughs> uh they waited like a good about a year i want to say it wasn't until like the anniversary of the uprising event that they did where they started actually giving some real story involved mm -hmm. and it was like oh yeah like this is what we want and like they just did a drip feed for years to the point where i just don't care anymore <laughs> there's more lore for overwatch on pornhub than there is in the actual game Like, it's just a drip feed, man. Like, I can't... I don't want to do the drip feed content anymore. Like, I want stuff. Like, give me give me something. And, like, yeah, I'm interested in some story content, but it's kind of too late now. Like, and the I, world's been around for over half a decade. I feel... I feel, feel part of the problem is, too, is, like... What... The problem with the original Overwatch was the lack of direction in terms of what they wanted to roll out, when they wanted to roll it out, how it would roll out, etc, etc. It didn't really seem planned really well. Like, they never seemed to, like, roll something in with Overwatch League. Like, this is something Call of Duty knows how to do, like, the back of their hand. Like, you know, roll a new Battle Pass in while you're rolling in the eSports, while you're doing this, and it's all cool. Same thing as Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege does a fantastic job of creating anticipation for their esports league while also driving players for new content at the same time it's a great balance and i think the thing that really disappoints me with overwatch is overwatch 2 just seems like this completely unguided mess because first it was it's gonna be a free upgrade for all overwatch players and now they're like it's more than that now and i'm like am i still getting my free upgrade like the last meaningful overwatch stuff we got was at blizzcon where they broke down a bunch of new maps and stuff and a bunch of new like perks and how you know the team systems would work how balancing would work and all this other stuff and now we haven't heard anything again mm -hmm. yeah and that now we're just in the dark and i'm like well bye <laughs> Like I just, it's just, it's really hard to care about Overwatch anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, like whoever, whoever does all their their costume design work, it, they're you know make their own game, <laughs> new costume designer five or whatever. I don't know. Just make do your own game. Like, you guys are doing great work, but you can't lift up the entire game at this point. Absolutely. It's just not interesting anymore. Absolutely. So, so what would it take to come back though? Was I think is the root of the question. Hmm. What would they have to do to come back? I need to see them do something meaningful. Like, l legitimately meaningful. Like, something like where change McCree's name? No. No, no. 
I can't believe in a week where you literally were accused and have been caught shredding documents of sexual harassment that you're like, oh, here's a perfect time to change McCree, who's named after someone who was featured in a photo, you know, in the Cosby suite. Like, oh, my God. What? Like, I don't understand what they're doing. I understand misdirection and trying to use misdirection to, you know, better your position or whatever. But this is just sad. Like, yeah, so you don't know what, for people that don't know what we're talking about. So literally before the show went to air um, or for recording, we Overwatch put out this letter and I'm just going to read it verbatim because I think it's just it's 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 classic shit that we just pointed out where they do something completely different and then obfuscate from all the real stuff and then do something completely different and then paint themselves as like really great people. So they released this letter that says, we built the Overwatch universe around the idea that inclusivity, equity, and hope are building blocks of a better future. They are central to the game and the Overwatch team. As we continue to discuss how we best live up to our values and demonstrate our commitment to creating a game world that reflects them, we believe it's necessary to change the name of the hero currently known as McCree to something that better represents what Overwatch stands for. I read this point, I was like, does McCree mean something? I don't know what it means. <laughs> like, what? And so they said, We realize that any change to such a well-loved and central hero in the game's fiction will take time to roll out correctly. And we'll share updates as this works as this as this work prog or sorry, work progresses. In the near term, we have planned to kick off a narrative arc in September, supported with new story and game content, of which McCree was a key part. Since we want to integrate this change into that story arc, we will be delaying the new arc until later this year and instead launch a new free-for-all map this September. Going forward, in-game characters will no longer be named after real heroes, so real employees, and we will be more thoughtful and discerning by adding real-world references and future Overwatch content. This will help reinforce that we're building a fictional universe that is unmistakably different from the real world and better illustrates that the creation of Overwatch is truly a team effort. Work on these updates is underway, and they are just a part of our ongoing commitment to honest reflections and making whatever changes are necessary to build a future worth fighting for. We know that actions speak louder than words, and we hope to show you our commitment to making Overwatch a better experience in-game and continue to make our team the best it can be. Sincerely, the Overwatch team. And people reading this are like, what the hell is going on here? What? <laughs> what I love, instead of doing any form of meaningful change, we're going to change the name of a character because we want you to feel like that's such an impact to us. It's like, we changed the name of a character. We're learning. No. That oh, and watch, the, watch them not even really do it. Watch them be like, oh, yeah. He feels really bad about something, so he adopted a masked persona. Oh my god. So he's the masked stranger. Yeah, that's just what you need in Activision Blizzard. Some guy wandering around the studio with a mask. Yeah, great idea. It was McCree all along. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Where's my editor? Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> You are uh, the editor. 
damn it. <laughs> um, but seriously, I, I always love when companies do this. They do these little things where they're like, is this enough for you to stop complaining? Yep. Like, hey, if we take out Activision from the new Call of Duty trailer, is that enough? Don't don't even get me started. Don't e I cannot do a PG-13 rant on that. Not at all. <laughs> There's no chance of that happening. So, But what I will say is I love the gameplay and the team dynamics of Overwatch. It had some of the best team fights and teamwork aspects that I've had in a like a PvP experience. And there's some really great characters in that world. Um, Pornhub variations included. Um, and I love the world that they made. I wish they had put more meaning into it in the beginning. Because now it just feels shoehorned. And ultimately, Overwatch 2 looks more misguided than the first game. So it would take a lot for me to sit there and go, yes. I want this. But that, but that is just me personally. Like, I am one of those people, after the whole Blizzchung thing, I never played Overwatch again. I had a disc copy. I sold my disc copy of Overwatch. Like, mm. I legitimately, I don't, I don't mess around with a stand. If I make a stand on something, I don't do something. I don't do it. Period. End of story. I don't hide offline to do it. I don't. So I stopped playing Overwatch. And I don't play Blizzard games right now because of everything going on. And that's a choice. But Blizzard itself needs to make design choices within their games that are meaningful to its player base again. As well as solve this, the culture issues they have in their own studio before I'll go anywhere near any of their games again. Yeah. That's true. I... I think for me, though, like, in order to go back to Overwatch, like, they're gonna have to get the game away for free. Like, that's just gotta happen. Yeah, I definitely like, am and, not putting $60 down on Overwatch again. You know, not, not $60 on Overwatch. I think their game is not worth $60 at this point. Like, it's Activision, it just, it it's Activision Blizzard. It'll be 70 True. They'll probably do 70 too. Yep. But yeah, it, it's just definitely... Their product is definitely not worth that money anymore. And I, I gotta see some significant improvement on it whatever it is but the textures on reaper's new coat <laughs> yeah i i just I, they got nothing they can really offer me right now so i don't know it, it's sad i i played the shit out of overwatch i had a good time with it okay that was the one game where you me fame mike p and sam would all cohesively sit down and play a game yep so but yeah, uh, that's just kind of it for that. So, got nothing else to say about that. Nope. Um, I think that's it for that topic, at least. Mm. All right, uh, next one. Let's go. Uh, this one comes from Mr. Inferno. Saints Row. It's back. Thoughts? Excited. Honestly, I am, I am stupidly excited for this. Mm -hmm. Because like, Grand Theft Auto sucks now. I need a good Saints Row again. 
I never got into Saints Row like that. Like I played I played the fourth one just because I had it and it was cheap and I was like, yeah, hey, I'll play it. So but like, I heard like I don't I, I don't have this game has like a like a franchise story and I get that. So hold up, the only Saints Row games you've played is the fourth one. Yep, that's it. I tried playing the third one, but it was just too far gone at that point. I don't know what to do with you anymore. Uh, Chico Radio will now be looking for a new co-host. Uh, we record every. Thursday. I mean, you're getting one next week. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> but no, that's that's so weird because like Saints Row the Four, I like you could jump into Saints Row the Fourth Saints Row and play it and be fine story-wise because the games aren't like super interconnected. Like, yeah, you'll know the characters and the people you'll you know interact with more if you play the older games but it doesn't really affect plot points uh necessarily but like the fourth yeah. one was so bad like that was the worst game by a mile like yeah for me the second one was perfect because it kind of blended like over the top humor with a really grounded and gritty story so it's kind of like grand theft auto but if grand theft auto had a personality that wasn't just ripping off various action movies from the 90s um, yeah, because I'm sorry, Vice City's a ripoff, and so San Andreas. There's nothing at all original about either of those games in terms of the stories they tell. Um, yeah, but Saints Row Two had a really phenomenal story. It was gritty. Saints Row Three kind of got a little wackier. That's when you got the dildo bat, and you know, you smoked light bulbs, <laughs> and you know, it, it got a little weirder. But like Saints Row Four was like them going how far can we take this and with yeah. the reboot they say they're focusing on grounding it and making it a more uh traditional saints row experience so that means no more superpowers i'm hoping and i'm i'm just excited for that because like i said gta 5 hasn't done it for me since the 360 and the xbox one and yeah it's gonna be the xbox series but yeah i just i i'd love to just those op those goofy open sandbox games again like crackdown 3 and things like that you like you just don't get those anymore mm -hmm. no I, I i agree with you dude like i never really got into the gta either like the, the first gta game i could actually stomach myself to finish was five so i i yeah no i that's mainly just because they made more of a effort to have a story um so at least for me that that's a major thing like so for me like rockstar is just kind of hit or miss for me like immersion wise they're great like they, mm. i can't like they go they go way too much detail for most of their stuff so i i give them i give them props for that but like the only games i finished have been the most recent stuff where they've kind of gone away from their their mo yeah so i'm like uh, that should tell you, like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Rockstar. Well, actually, I think prior to GTA V, Bully was the last one I finished. That's a good game. So, That's a that is game. a good game. Um, Yeah, see... But yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Like, see, for me, is, like, Rockstar's constantly trying to ground themselves in realism. And I appreciate that to a certain extent. But I want them to take it to that next level with the realism, with what they've done with GTA V and stuff. Like, 
if I want to co-op rob a bank with my friends, I want to get to a point where I don't care if it's GTA that does this. Realistically, I think Rockstar is the only developer that would spend the time to do this. I want to get rid of the magical bag inventory in a game at some mm -hmm. point. Like, if I want to go rob a bank, I want to have to be able to, you know, get out of my car. Yes, I have my handgun. Go to the trunk of my car. Open the trunk. Pull the shotgun out of the trunk. And then go into the bank. You don't get to hide it in your armpit and then pull it out once you're in the bank. Like, I want that level of detail. And if Rockstar is going to obsess to that level, I want them to do that. That would be amazing to me. Like, you imagine doing, like, basically Payday 2 style heists in, like, GTA with that level of detail where, you know, you have to plan your inventory out. You can only have so much ammo on you and things like that. Like, exciting to me <laughs> mm -hmm. no like i i think that's a thing with rockstar honestly and i just i i would like to see that level and like they got they got pretty close when it came to um red dead redemption 2 mm -hmm. they got pretty close to that where it's like all right you can carry two rifles and two pistols and that's it like <laughs> Like, if you want more, you got to go to your horse, and your horse has all the stuff on it. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Like, I, that would be a fun trade-off. And, like, I think if they made it so GTA specifically became a, hey, hyper-realistic RPG light kind of situation, and, well, maybe not RPG, but, you know, it's a long story, you make choices and things like that. Um, if they did something along those lines and then they said, all right, but it's like hyper realistic gameplay, but it's also going to be like, you know, quirky parody level mm -hmm. of story arc. Like, I think that that would be fine. I think that'd be a good MO for them to have. <laughs> mm -hmm. But no, like it just, I don't know, Rockstar is kind of weird. They, don't um, make, they, they just don't make games I love anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, not really that, that's the only way i can put it anymore it's like they just don't make those games that snag me in anymore like bully was such a unique game because it was like hey go be a dickhead at a private school okay like yep <laughs> like they they just made really different games for a long time and now they're hyper focused on one thing and they're less interesting because of that to me, personally. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right on that. But like, okay, so like Saints Row, like, please correct me if I'm wrong. So the thing with Saints Row was, I know they were going for that, that's uh, that at least that side I mentioned before, where it was, hey, we're realistic, but we're gonna go like we're gonna dial up our gameplay to eleven. And I don't. Yeah. The 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 first two saints row games were very gritty gang type games that were all about gang violence big shootouts uh a lot of the bosses especially in saints row 2 were like ridiculous in terms of like what they did how they acted and things like that but it was overall this tone was serious and there were some really dark moments um yeah in that game that they like they hyper like they hyper they like they take it to a goofy level but in certain dark moments it was like wow okay like there's a specific scene that's seared into my brain in saints row 2 i think it is 
And the one character, Gat, basically somebody kills his girlfriend in front of him. And they chase him out of the house and they chase him to the cemetery or whatever. And he proceeds to just absolutely lambaste this guy and just punch the bejesus out of him. And then when the guy goes to get up, he literally punches him through a tombstone. And the only line he's saying through this entire thing is, get up. And there's like a dark, ominous music in the background as he just beats this guy to death. And like, it's not the best acted scene in the world. It's not the most intense scene I've ever seen in a video game. But over a decade later, that scene is still seared into my brain. Because it just delivered an intensity that I was not expecting. And if they can find that and balance it out with less of the goofy run-up walls and groin kicking aliens, then I'm in. Yeah. If they could do something like that, that'd be cool. I like the idea of them moving over to a completely unrelated location. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like they're in, like, Vegas or something. I think it looks interesting there. Um, I'm not sure what else to say about it, honestly, beyond that. I just, it looks it looks interesting enough, I'll probably end up playing it. Yeah. Um, I've I heard talk to, like, so people who actually, like, saw gameplay behind the scenes said it looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, just for whatever reason, they chose not to show any gameplay. Which is weird, but I don't know. If you're confident in it, I don't know why you don't show it. Yeah. But. So, just strange. Anyway, um, I think we got one more question. Oh, I'm sorry, we got two more questions, sir. Okay. Uh, this question comes from, uh, actually, the host for next week. Uh, I think it's the same, Eric, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. It says, uh, "Is Halo still important, or isn't it? Because depending on the day, fanboys change their tune." in an attempt to win arguments. In my, in, a, in my opinion, it's still important to Microsoft because they post Chief on everything, yet at times they don't test it like it's the tent while it once was. Tent from Eric. I'm sorry, Eric. Yeah. Uh, oh. he, he, uh, his phone, he, he literally texted They don't to test me. it like it's the tent. I'm like, what? He, he literally <laughs> texted, he texted the question to me and he was like, oh, autocorrect, screwed it up. And I never bothered to correct it when I put it into our podcast document. Uh, so basically, is Halo a tentpole franchise still? Uh, I would I would think so, because you just released an Xbox Series X and a goddamn uh, $200 controller in regards to, uh, you know. Oh, not just that, dude, but like... Um... They actually released, uh, sorry, they're releasing uh, Razer Kyra Pros for Halo. Have you seen this? There's Razer headsets for Halo? No, dude, like, it's, um, it's like, it, I basically, so I have the Razer Kyra Pro on right now, as you can see. Yeah. Um, we're not sponsored by Razer, so, um, whatever. Um, but, uh, you guys could actually, uh, they are making Halo-themed ones where it's, like, Chief Green on the top here. That's normally the Razor logo is the UNSC logo. Do you remember the Lucio headset? No, I don't, but I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah, that was a good one too. It's probably oh, no, gonna I'm be not. like it's probably gonna be like a four hundred dollar headset though. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's literally well the the Lucio headset. No, or... the Halo one. All those limited run ones are always super expensive. I think it's like 150 bucks. I want to say, but I don't think they. I mean, it's it's literally just like a just a slight update on this. So oh, okay. I was gonna say, but remember like... this thing. This thing came out last year, remember? And they pushed. They probably pushed the release of that new headset until now. Right. So it's not the latest technology anymore. So we'll see. But I, they may run up to like two hundred bucks, maybe. Like but, you're because you remember the cyberpunk mouses from Razer that were like three hundred dollars. <laughs> All that cyberpunk gear. It's gonna be the next big thing. Um, but yeah, I think. Look, uh, the thing with co console exclusives and just general Xbox versus PlayStation conversation is people are going to care and not care about stuff depending on the flavor of the week and what the news is painted as. When Halo looks good, it's a tentpole and it's an important franchise. When it's not looking good, it's not important. It's a relic of the past and it needs to go die. That's just is what it is. Um, for me, Halo is Xbox. Period. End of story. Mm. Like, you, you can't sit there and make the first custom Xbox Series X be a Halo console and not say Halo is, like, just be like, oh, Halo's not a tentpole franchise. Okay, then where's my Yakuza Like a Dragon Series X then? Where is it, Xbox? Really pretty dope. No, I, I, you're a good point. Like, I think for them, it's more of a legacy thing, though. Hmm. I think with them, they are way more focused on they want to work on these new franchises and let those be the new face of Xbox. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem with it is that because Chief is still so popular, they can't really just do that. But they also still want to keep Chief around because there's that legacy aspect of it of like. What's a comparable thing I could push out as an example? Um so when people talk about like old school Sony and PlayStation stuff, they always show Crash Bandicoot, right? Right. Like it's it's like the face of PlayStation. He was their mascot. Right. And Sony hasn't had an exclusive Crash Bandicoot game in over a decade or more at this point because they sold it off to Activision. Yeah. So it's not. It, <sighs> It's only a thing because they believe it's a thing. And it's a legacy thing and they continue showing it, you know, every so often. Like just kind of as a reminder of like, hey, look, we've been around the block for a while. Like this is, we've been doing this for a while. And for Xbox, Chief is that person for them. Mm -hmm. Where it was, Chief was the OG Xbox, Marcus Phoenix was the 360. And so, I'd argue Forza was the Xbox One because there were a ton of Forza games <laughs> during that time. So, like for them, like each there's a game that represents every single one, and right now they're at the precipice of a new generation for them, where they kind of got all their ducks in a row and they've kind of figured things out. And now they just want to say, all right, who's who's the next one? Hmm. Who's the next? Uh, what's the next game for us? <laughs> yeah, I've, and I, I feel like they're trying to push like Senua to the front. For Hellblade 2 and like I feel them kind of like they're like come on guys new stuff yeah um 
but Halo's always going to be part of that legacy. It's kind of like, you know, as much as PlayStation tries to not admit it, like Sly Cooper is another one that is a huge part of their legacy that they're like, shh, stop. What's the Sly? <laughs> like, uh, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Corey Barlog is now doing official PR for Sony. <laughs> Is there going to be a new Sly Cooper game? Never heard of him. Um, but no, like, I, I think that's the problem is like, I think PlayStation's done a fantastic job of segueing mascots because they're like, hey, Aloy, you know, a fame will argue with me till he's blue in the face that Aloy is part of the new face of PlayStation. And that's an argument I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, and that's an argument I'm not going to win to say otherwise. Yeah, because I, I would say it's true. They plaster her everywhere. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> like she's a great right. representation of the PlayStation brand in terms and of... And she's like, not super... Well, I would say that. Um, I, I would say it's more... It's like, hey, this is a unique-looking character, and it's a woman. So, so it's something different, and it looks interesting. I, I would say, because the only reason I say that is because PlayStation MO is depressing. I say MO a lot in this show. I've realized that, uh, which is short for modus operandi. But um, like really, if you look at PlayStation's games, most of the time it's third person, over the shoulder camera, depressing narrative, including some sort of companion to help you out. Like that's a lot of their How games. How dare you just <laughs> sit there and call Naughty Dog it like that? <laughs> I mean, that's what I do. I know. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, I think, I, I think most companies have a challenge in front of them in terms of moving away from some franchises and wrapping things up. Like Halo Infinite is meant to be a platform going forward. There's not going to be a big Halo release like this for a long time after this. This is kind of going to be like, here's the Halo ecosystem. If you want to be part of it, here it is. And it's going to keep on going. But they're moving on to other things. It's like the same thing with PlayStation fans. They're constantly going, well, when are we going to hear about Nathan Drake's next adventure? And I'm like, did none of you play Uncharted 4? They bookended that for a reason. Uncharted as a franchise is definitively not dead. But they're moving past Drake now. And that's okay. Mascots have to evolve or else you're Mario, where it's like your mascots are Mario, Luigi, Peach, and the Rabbids for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I just... With Sony in particular, they, they have weird choices, at least in terms of who they want to be their future. Like that they, yeah, they, they put Aloy everywhere, but I don't know if, I don't think it's the best representative for them. Probably Ellie's a better representative for their current status. Um, Angry, but, um, never mind, never mind. We're not, we're not, we're not going down this path. This yeah, path. Anyway, that, that's, I would say it's a better at least model, but that's just me. Anyway, um, but yeah, going back to Microsoft and Halo, I just, man. I just feel like Halo. 
right, I'll say it. If it, Halo's got to evolve or die still, I think that's kind of the reason why Microsoft's kind of like hesitant about it. And like, I, I will say this as well with Halo, this, this particular time around, keep in mind, they blew a lot of money on the marketing for Halo last year yeah. for it to get delayed. So they, they blew a lot of money. That's why you're not seeing them put like a ton of money into the marketing this time, comparatively speaking. Because mm -hmm. I remember like last year, I don't know if you remember, as I was I was paying attention, there were like Master Chief, like, like there were toys everywhere. There was Master Chief, like Halloween costumes. They did a partnership with Monster Energy Drinks. Like they did a ton of stuff. Like they paid a ton of money and yet here they are and now they don't have any of that stuff anymore and like they're just trying to cobble together whatever deals they can for launch <laughs> it was like i think that's why you're not seeing as big of a push this time specifically this time around but i think too like i said it just they they are really prioritizing newer games to be at the forefront and they just kind of let it let the deluge roll out and I, I agree with you there because I think the thing is, is Microsoft's looking for Microsoft's tent has four poles right now and they want to grow the tent bigger. They've grown the tent bigger. There's a lot more people in their tent right now and they're hoping all these people that they've bought are going to erect more poles within their tent. Whereas Sony has expanded their tent already. They have their tent. They know how many people they want in it. They have their poles up. And they know what their kind of core direction is in terms of what they want to do. My only suggestion to Microsoft, and this is the strongest advice I can give to them. If you want to erect a pole in the Microsoft IP tent, specifically my pole, I need a banjo game. <laughs> All that sexual oh, innuendo to lead up to banjo. <laughs> Jeez. All right, you talk about um, you talk about tent poles. Um, I don't think Microsoft is really doing tent pole. At least as their strategy, like you know, figuratively speaking, sure, like there's tent poles and stuff. But I think with Microsoft, they're not really doing a tent pole strategy anymore. Uh, for, for those of you that don't really know, those the tent pole strategy really comes from at least in the popular sense from the movie industry, where it was hey. You can release like two or three big movies and those are the movies that have to do well they're your big budget movies that make a ton of movie back i was like, a ton of money back of which you could fund the rest of your projects accordingly so like as an example that's why normally you'll see uh disney they'll launch at least two marvel movies every year and those are their tentpole movies that do really really well they do a remake what every time and they normally have some sort of animation release that's gonna against like, potential to make a bunch of money that's what their strategy is and that's what they've been doing mm -hmm. for a very long time um a lot of a lot of companies do the whole tentpole strategy and it works for them however the downside of the tentpole model is that if you fail if one movie bombs or doesn't make as much money more than just that is screwed so, like, um, as an example, um, you might redirect that a little bit. So, as an example, like, if you have Warner Brothers and 
let's say you're doing a Batman versus Superman movie, or more specifically, a Justice League movie that's supposed to be extremely important, that gets delayed, it has reshoots, and costs a lot of money to make and market, and then it makes $600 million, <laughs> and doesn't even break a billion dollars. $600 million is a lot of money, that's great, but it doesn't match to what you put mo the money you put into it. And so that hurt them and the rest of their little industry there. And so the tentpole model, at least in terms of games, um, Microsoft traditionally would be like, all right, here's our uh, either Halo or Gears is coming out this year. Here's another Forza and some random game. Right. And so, they would do that. They drop it on the holiday. These are our tentpole games. So a, an example of this model, like PlayStation would be a pretty good example of a oh, yeah. tentpole model. So, for argument's sake, the failure in that model is something like, I'll use Days Gone as an example, is a failure in that model. Because Days Gone, while it was highly successful and profitable, spent a lot of time in development and cost them a lot of money. So their margins weren't as good, which leads to the decision to not make a Days Gone 2, correct? Under that model. Partially, yeah. Okay. Although I think with, my, with Sony, they're way more interested in review scores than it comes to actual money. Like money's important. Money's always gonna be the ultimate deciding factor, but they really care about review scores first and foremost. And Days Gone was not reviewed well. And but like it sold more than a lot of other titles. And like I would say it made its money back, but these were all problems that could have been fixed. It wouldn't have been an issue, but but here they are. Yep. So I, I think that's a, a also a factor that needs to be considered. Mm -hmm. But like, I think when Microsoft, oh, sorry, Sony, like, let's say last year as an example, because last year was a good example. They had at launch, it was, oh, sorry, not at launch. Well, let's say at the beginning of 2020, it was, well, it was supposed to be like in February originally, but they pushed it back to June, like I predicted when, back in 2016 when it initially was announced. Last of Us Part 2 came out, big game, big tentpole, made a ton of money. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima came out like a month or two later. Did really good, made a bunch of money. <laughs> uh, here we are. They're talking about sequels, doing a director's cut, expansions, all the rest of that stuff. So that's great. Um, and then, like, by the end of the year, like, they weren't really doing any tentpole stuff, but it was just little things that would make some money. Like, here's a standalone DLC for Spider-Man. Right. For Miles Morales. Here's a, uh, here's Demon Souls remake. Right. Like, the sales from Ghost of Tsushima and... Last was part two, funded those other projects. Right. So, so, I mean, they that benefits them. And whether or not those games succeeded or failed didn't matter. <laughs> it was basically bankrolled off of the success of the other projects. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that, that would be a thing. But I think Microsoft's moving away from that model. I think for them, it's like, because they're not really concerned about how many sales they get, it's about subscribers now. I think for them, they're more, they care more about user engagement first and foremost, mm -hmm. but I also think it's more about having routine amounts of content come out specifically. Mm -hmm. And that's their number one concern. Absolutely. So tent poles in the Microsoft uh, franchise in the Microsoft tent would be like Raz from Psychonauts 2, the brother <laughs> from 12 minutes. Um. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, we can't spoil that yet. They have a chance that we can play that. 
I'm not spoiling anything because most people won't get that yeah. far in the game. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think with them for Microsoft, they're not really concerned by having like four giant tent poles and that's the survives. It's just more like, all right, we're putting out a ton of games. Uh, some of them may hit, some of them may not, but it's going to go around. I, I think it's, think of it more like, um, all right, this is going to go way back for you. So you remember back, like, way back in grade school, like, possibly even kindergarten, mm -hmm. when they would pull out the big rainbow parachute and they make you everyone raise it up together and it would raise it all up and then you, like, let it go down together. And then every so, and after you got raised up really, really up high, you would pull it over your head and sit on it and then let it deflate slowly. That That's the Microsoft strategy now. So saying, we don't need tent poles. So, so <laughs> Things come and go like Microsoft, a fart in the wind. You've heard here, folks. Here first, folks. Xbox's business strategy is the parachute strategy. <laughs> no, it's like they don't need tent poles. It's just a fart in the wind. <laughs> like it may raise everything up, it may not. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, and at, at this point in time, it's hard to argue content value of what they're doing. Like, the past few weeks have been insane in terms of what Xbox is dishing out right now. So, you yeah. know, their models get paid dividends eventually. It's just, you know, they had to get there. But yeah. we'll wait and see uh, how they go. Yep. All right. And uh, last question. This comes from Quentin Quiet. Psychonauts 2 is out. Have you guys played it at all? Well, Nick, have you played it at all? You know I'm frauding. I ain't played it yet. Uh, my work oh, decides to... Every time, I feel like I say this at least once every, like, couple of months, where I'm like, work's finally calming down. I'm going to get to have some <laughs> free time. I'm going to get to play some games. I'm going to relax. I'm going to have a good time. And then the next day, everything just gets thrown in the gutter. I've just endlessly been working this week. I get like an hour to game a night, and let me tell you, I spent most of the time just staring at the home screen going, I'm so tired. So no, I have not played any Psychonauts 2 yet, but I plan to uh, tomorrow and then a bit on Sunday. I have been playing it. Uh, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, like that's my gameplay. I played for two hours. <laughs> um, I will not be streaming any more of it. Um, I enjoy it way too much. Um, I don't like streaming games I like too much uh, because I, I, especially this game where like there's so many little jokes and stuff, I think you have to play it to experience it. And I, I really, I'm not playing any more than the, the two hours of gameplay that you have there. So mm. um, I'm, well, I'm not going to show it to you that way, at least. So don't expect any more content from me. Now, Nick may do something, but I'm not going to. All right. So... I had never played Psychonauts before, like, last month. Um, just never got around to it. Game came out in 2005 on the original Xbox. I just never got around to it. Never heard of it, really. Um, I was like, well, Psychonauts 2 is coming out. I mean, Psychonauts 1 is on Game Pass. I guess I'll give it a shot. And I played it. I beat that thing in a weekend, and I loved it. Every minute of it. Such a blast. Love the dialogue. Um, narrative is just on point and like the level design is just excellent. Um, they deal with mental illness in a very interesting way. Like I would say prior to uh, Hellblade, like I don't think any other game had tackled mental illness in a unique way like this before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some like 
weird indie game I hadn't thought of that's like, oh yeah, they did that. But like this was this is actually interesting, actually fun. Um and I played this one like with the expectation of like, all right, it may be a little worse than the first one. I mean, it's 16 years later. Um it, this game through went through like a lot of weird troubles. Um things like, all right, funding problems, uh getting bought out. Um, just all this random little stuff they had to deal with. And I'm playing it now. And it's like, these are all ideas that are like equal, if not better than the first one. Mm. Like just crazy stuff that I'm like, wow. Like we're going to like deal with like inception levels of like thinking. Like, all right, how do you change someone's mind and like personifying it and making a mental connection or dealing with like addiction as a concept and just doing little things like that? Like, wow, like this, they put a lot of thought and effort behind this. This is great. And then like, like not only doing that, but then like it, I, the first time I played, I kept dying initially because like in the first game, there's not a lot of like enemy variety. Like, it's mostly just kind of reskins of the same few enemies, like, mostly sensors. Uh, but, like, they, they introduce, like, four or five new enemy types, like, right out of the gate. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to fight these guys again? What? <laughs> and, like, everything about it is just so well thought out. And I'm just like, wow. I just, like, I'm, like, I'm struggling to think of problems with it. And normally I'm a, very, I'm a very critical person. I'll at least acknowledge when there's a problem, but I'm really struggling to find any legitimate issues with this game. Like, the, I think the only issue I've seen, and I've only seen it because I'm playing on Series X, which is the superior version of this game right now. Um, there's a little bit of texture popping. I mean, like, a quarter second sometimes with flipping between cutscenes. You'll see, like, um, the higher detail stuff on, like, Raz's jacket. Uh, takes like a quarter second to pop in sometimes, but that's it. Like, that's the only thing I can see wrong with it. And I'm just like, I've met Tim Schafer. I think he's a dick. But I got, I got Tim, my hat to him. Like, this is great. I'm like, game's got to recognize game. I, <laughs> I got to put aside personal beat to experience this quality masterpiece. Like, I'm loving this game. Like definitely top three game of the year situation for me. I I need to get Tim Schafer on a show with you and me. Yep. You gotta do it. Mm -hmm. You just hey, you can get him. Do it. I'll ask him what happened to my uh, what happened to my business card. <laughs> What'd you do to it? <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, um, so I went to E three back in twenty sixteen, and I remember I saw Tim Schafer. Never played, never played a Double Fine game, never cared. I saw him and I was like, eh, I could probably get him for Tick Podcast. I go up to him, say, hey, uh, Mr. Schaefer, um, it'd be a pleasure to have you on the show, something, something like that. Here's my business card. He's like, he looks at me, just kind of takes the card and like walks 10 feet and just throws the card on the ground. And I was like, like he was like he, he didn't stop and like throw it on the ground but he's like continued walking and just threw it on the ground like i don't care i'm just gonna do what i'm gonna do and i was like okay 
Damn. Ever since then, I was like, I don't like this man. I don't like him at all. I don't care what a project he makes. But now I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you're me, you're me if David Cage actually ever makes a good game. Or or like people who like uh, Kamaya's work from Platinum. And it's like I'm gonna block you. <laughs> yeah. Tons of interesting people in the creative space that you won't necessarily like, but you'll like their work. That's definitely a thing that is very yeah. much a thing in film and games. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, did you play the first game, Nick? Yep. What do you think of it? I loved it. Like you said, you yep. you covered a lot of it in the base. What I just like about it is it's just kind of like there's something about platformers from that era that is just so good to me. I can't put my finger on it. I could not. I've tried to write about it before to try explain what it is, but there's something so special about that era to me that I, it's just such a hard thing to put a finger on on it. But what I appreciate about Psychonauts, the original so much, is its ability to touch on, like, adult tones while being a platformer, right? Like, that's just something we don't see a lot of. Like, when you think emotional games, it's typically third-person action games that portray, you know, things that make you feel emotions or something. It's a story that's meant to make you feel emotional. I found Psychonauts just kind of made me sit there and go, huh. It just kind of makes you mull things over in your head and it just gets you thinking about things. And it's just, it's really weird to have a platformer do that because you think of like how brain dead of an experience like Mario 64 is, right? Like you can play, like Mario 64 is one of my favorite platformers of all time, but my brain is distinctly turned off while I play that. Whereas I feel like with Psychonauts, my brain is like in hyper mode just thinking through everything because it's not it it talks in a way that i just i can't describe it i feel like an idiot but i just i can't bring those thoughts around as someone who's like struggled with mental health for so much to have a game that just like clicks like that is just it's so cool yeah no like it, it's it's really a blast i think prior to this my favorite platformer was banjo kazooie no psychonauts is I'll accept. I'll so that, that should I'll, that should give you that. Yeah, like it's better than God tier banjo. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. So, I can't wait for you to play it, man. Can't wait for you to play it. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. All right. So I guess that leads into our main topic. Uh, so what's our main topic this evening, Nick? So we're gonna talk about some of our favorite games so far since the launch of playstation 5 and xbox series consoles so the whole premise of this is up to the date this show is recorded until up before the release of the this current generation's consoles so this can include anything on either platform or wherever the case may be but this is basically uh our game of the year rundown so far before the last slew of games comes out across the fall and winter season which does not start until december 21st oh <laughs> uh, you you say winter doesn't start with that i say i say it's normally like november so uh, th th this is a whole I, I, I know the uh, i know the winter solstice starts on december 21st 
I know it does. Yeah, but... so Halo Infinite is still a fall game. I mean, ugh. <laughs> whatever. So why don't they say fall? They say holiday. Because you gotta cater to people there. If it's le if it's after Thanksgiving, it's holiday apparently. Because by the night it's Christmas. Because <laughs> because Americans it's... put Thanksgiving in such a weird time frame. Mm hmm. All right. Um. Let's see here. Do you want to go? I'm first pulling on my list. Oh, you've got a list. I... I didn't even assemble a list. Oh yeah, I I went through and like grouped all my games that I had. Uh, just so I could get an idea of what we got for 2021 mm. and that whole portion. Um, let's see. Are we including um game preview games in this or no? Or the before I, I mean, release? I don't have a problem with it, honestly. If you can play it and you enjoy yeah. it, 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 it can enter, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, for me, Adios will be on that list. Um, it's a short two-hour-long game. Uh, it's largely very narrative-focused, but it's well-done, well-written dialogue, and it's it's good. It, it it deals with certain themes I find very adult, and it doesn't really pull any punches. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it's a melancholy game, though, specifically. It, it's, it's not... You're not going to feel great after playing it, but it, it achieves its intended purpose. Mm. Absolutely. So that's on the list. Uh, Rain on Your Parade. That was just a fun little indie game. I thought it was just, it was just a fun little game. Um, tons of Easter eggs and just it's just good. Good, solid game. Um, let's see. This is a surprise. What, Knockout City? Did you ever play Knockout City at all? Nope. Get into that. Uh, it's a dodgeball game. Uh, it's normally 3v3, but you can do some, some modes to have more or less people. Um, it's by EA. And it's it's a blast, man. I we had a we had so much fun playing that game. Like even when you take out the fact that you're playing with other people, like it's a solid, like I guess I would say it's like rock, paper, scissors-esque in terms of like the throws that you do and counters and things. Mm -hmm. Like in just like what the type of balls there are. It's just a fun game. Like you could, I could. It's like it's kind of like the Mario Kart of like first person or sorry third person shooters, mm. where it's like it doesn't require a lot of thought. Like anybody can play it, and it, it's safe. It, it's, you don't have to do anything anything weird. It sounds very much like an arena shooter, basically. Yeah, uh, it's basically an arena shooter. That's probably the best way to think about it. But it, it's very um, family friendly. Very easy pick up and play, hard to master. Okay. Uh, Chivalry Two is definitely on the list. Uh, we had a we've had a blast playing that. Like it's just it's it's great, man. I don't have any notes about it. Um, so other than that, like there were, yeah there are other games I've played. Like I played like the Ascent Flight Simulator, Split Gate. Mm -hmm. Hades, you know, Hades came out last year, technically. I'm like, those are okay, but, like, probably right now, at least, like, Psychonauts 2 is the top of the list. Mm. But I may have, like, a recency bias towards it, because it's the last thing I've, I've been playing. But I just, I've been having a blast, but I've already talked about how much I like the game, so. 
I'll let, you, I'll let you take it from there. What do you got? Well, I've got a couple of games that just absolutely hit this year. And a lot of my stuff's earlier in the year. Um, so for me, my one of my most memorable games that I've played so far this generation was Launch Day on my Xbox Series X and booting up Yakuza Like a Dragon. Like, I cannot... I cannot tell people how good that game is i do not like jrpgs typically and i love that game the characters are hilarious there's a deep emotional story your side quests and your like your typical grinding that is in a jrpg is so memorable because there's all these Mm -hmm. weird characters and it's it's so human and so many more people need to play that game it's on game pass right now go download it go buy it I've got the steel book. Eric was good enough and sent me the second steel book because um, he had duplicates. Like I love Yakuza Like a Dragon. It's by far one of my favorite games s- this generation so far by a mile. Um, a second one is obviously this one is, is a no-brainer for a lot of people that know me. Uh, Hitman 3 uh, that came out in January. Um, one of my favorite favorite stealth games of all time and the best hitman game by a mile it beats the brakes off every past installment and improves so much of the game mechanically as well as making it perform in a much better and more fluid way that just everything felt so much better with it while also adding a cohesive narrative to the game and like wrapping up a detailed story and it's just it was so good like I want to go back and unplay that game to replay it again because it was just so it's so good and I know IO is doing other things now and the you know they're looking to the future but I just I so much appreciated that and it, I think the most exciting thing about the Hitman 3 launch was seeing so many people that had never touched a game touched the franchise before jump in and play it I'm such a nerd when it comes to that stuff when I see people jumping into games that I love, I'm just like, yes, I hope you like it. I hope you like it. Like, it, it's such a weird mentality to have. Like, I'm not, like, hyper-aggressive about it like a lot of people are online. But, like, it really brings a smile to my face when I see someone being like, oh, well, I've never played Hitman before, but I loved Hitman 3. Like, I did a Hitman 3 spoiler cast on my channel with three people who had never played Hitman games before. Hitman 3 had come out. And we all talked about how much we love the game and how they, they want to go back and back play it. And like, that's just such a great feeling to have. And I, I wouldn't trade that launch for anything right now. Um, and my final one is going to be uh, Ratchet and Clank on PlayStation 5 because I felt giddier than a kid playing that because i grew up loving like the sly cooper games the ratchet and clank games anyone that's followed me for a long period of time knows that i am one of those people that sony to me isn't this third person action adventure game turnout console to me like the playstation what made the playstation so special was games like ratchet and clank sly cooper uh, Ratty out of stories games like that that's what drew me to playstation in the first place and to play a fully imagined ratchet and clank game in like a triple a scaling to the degree it was awesome yeah 
Yeah, I, I got nothing to say about uh, Ratchet and Clank. Like, it, it looks great, man. Um, but I will say, I forgot one title, because technically we're including from last year, because the, the games. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Really? Yep. Um, like, I really... I think, like, they, they really, like, backloaded that game. Like, all the best missions are towards the end. We've talked about that, like, on the first episode of the show. Um... I think they backloaded the game in terms of the best quality missions, mm -hmm. but like that platform itself is just fun. Mm -hmm. And like playing Assassin's Creed at 60 FPS, like I can't go back. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I, I can't, like the fact that they came out and said Odyssey is going to be there, they updated Odyssey to have 60 FPS now in Series X. I'm like, all right, let's go back and finish this game. <laughs> so. But yeah, man, I, I had a blast with it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. So follow-up question to this. So which game are you looking forward to most coming out later this year? As we talk about the launch year of these systems. So mine's like a two-way tie right now. Because there's a, there's a game I'm excited to play with my friends, and there's a game I'm excited on its own. First game being Deathloop in terms of single enjoyment. I'm really excited for that game because I love Arcane. I love what they do. And the fact they're making an FPS game, like everyone knows FPS games are my jam. 100% behind Deathloop. Mm -hmm. um, but the other one I'm most anticipating for? Battlefield, baby. Battlefield mm -hmm. with my friends. That's going to be so much stupid fun. Like I, I am beyond excited for that game. Yeah. What about you? No, like uh Battlefield is my number one. Like either way. Like I even if I'm playing it alone, like I'm gonna have a blast in that game. I'm ready. Like um but, well, I guess I have a close second, I guess. I think about it more back for bloods on that list, but now that I played it, it's like alright. Temper expectations a little bit more. Like that that one's gonna be fun playing with friends specifically. Mm -hmm. But Battlefield, like this is a game built from the ground up for next-gen systems. Yep. And I definitely get that impression from looking at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just I'm just ready. I'm Absolutely. like, yes, I, I am ready for a next-gen only first-person experience. Like, let's do this. Uh, Battlefield 4 was the initial game for me last time, and now it's going to be Battlefield 2042. So I'm ready. Battlefield with some extra numbers. Yep. Whole bunch of extra numbers. 2,038 extra numbers. <laughs> well, I, well, it's 37. Because we have Battlefield 5. Or it's technically Battlefield V, as I'm being told. It's not really Battlefield 5. Oh my God. I'm like, I can't do that, guys. It's not how this works. Battlefield V. Oh, no. One of the, I think what pissed me off was... Uh, battle, was it? Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and they didn't put a 4, they just did 4 Roman numeral 1s. <laughs> I'm like I hate you. Man, <laughs> wait till they do Black Ops 5 where it's 5 Roman numeral 1s. Jeez. Now they'll probably do a V at that point. They'll probably just confuse people. <laughs> oh, Actually, no, that you think about it, they probably just make it a, a Mega Zombies game and just do like one, two, three, four, five. 
<laughs> like tally marks. Oh god, it pains me because I know you're right. They probably do something like that. I agree. It'll happen. Oh uh, boy. So, but we anyway. But we got a poll question to wrap us up, don't we? Yep, we got a poll question for this week. So, uh, the question for this week. And please, guys, please go and vote for this stuff. Like, then the fact that no one voted for Cicero, uh, that's just sad. That's just genuinely sad. All right, so question is, who do you think has the winning strategy for this, uh, for this uh, generation? Xbox with the classic events model or Sony with the state of plays? Um, so a little bit of backstory with this, what we're talking about is... Um, this generation we've definitely seen microsoft has clucked stuck to the model where they are pushing out their games one by one and they're going to be having events like throughout the course of the year doing these little things like with gamescom or doing them with um x play or quake quickcon or whatever else there is where they're going to be releasing information bit by bit over the course of these events and Sony has basically abandoned all events and they're really just kind of doing state of plays for all their major news. And they may show up to an event on occasion to just show one thing or something like that, but it's not a regular amount. So which do you think is the going to be the successful model? Uh, option A, state of play is A-OK. -okay. B, X conferences forever. Or C, neither Google Stadio Silence. Wherever you do, uh, don't 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 make the mistake I do. Do not mention Google Stadia on social media, because the thing is, is that Google Stadia fans have so few things to play that all they do is name search people that tweet about Google Stadia and, wow. and endlessly harass them. I made a joke about Google Stadia fanboys. And a bunch of them dogpiled in and were like, well, actually, it's one of the best gaming platforms right now. You'd know if you had one. And I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Have fun playing whatever it is you're playing over there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what was the last Google Stadia game? Uh, I don't know. They canceled all their first party studios. <laughs> uh, let's see oh they got games coming soon though like what? i was looking at what they have borderlands 3 uh assassin's creed valhalla's dlc Ooh. life is strange true colors merrick's market fifa 22 they have far cry 6 they got that writer's republic basically just ubisoft titles um farming simulator 22 super animal royale uh young souls wind jammers 2 zoro the chronicles you see this this is me cozying up with my mic right now because this yeah. game list is making me sleepy <laughs> but yeah answer that poll get involved it's a great time yeah we'll post that tomorrow when the show goes live so or today when you guys watch it so that'll be the 
a thing. I know, I know Nick's tired. Look at his eyes. He's he drooping right now. Look at him. He's so tired. I am he just one, wants to go to bed. I am one sleepy boy. Um, but yeah, another great show in the books. Episode six. Go vote on that poll. Don't forget, check us out on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you choose to consume your podcasts. Uh, Ivan, uh, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at Multiverse Show. Um, I also stream on Twitch. Uh, that's where you see most of this gameplay if you watch us on YouTube. Uh, at Multiverse underscore show. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at Multiverse Show. Uh, we normally do a show on uh, Monday nights. So we're on a little bit of a break right now. Uh, I'm busy with wedding things for my brother. So fun times there. Uh, pretty much good to go after that. Um, you want to find me on Xbox? It's Anchorman V2. Um, PlayStation, Nintendo, wherever else, same thing. Um, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Right on. And I'm Nicholas Downey. You can find me on Twitter at Nicholas underscore Downey. You can find all my written work at lordsofgaming.net and my other podcast, The Gaming Perspective, live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find that on YouTube at The Gaming Perspective. And I appreciate all you guys tuning in. And Ivan will be gone doing wedding prep next week. Or doing the actual wedding. I don't know. Uh, by the time of recording, I will be in Raleigh, North Carolina uh, for rehearsal. Right on. So yeah. Ivan will be gone next week. I've got Eric Jackson of Basement Radio Arcade. Of course, Gaming Perspective uh, Infamy. Uh, filling in for him and we've got some great stuff we're going to talk about and then Ivan will be back the week after that and we'll keep on rolling appreciate you guys that support us that submit your questions every week you are the lifeblood of this show and we will see you guys next week at Friday 8am Eastern Time bye bye see ya